Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Hey, I don't know about you, but does anybody ever have the experience when you wake up with a song going through your head? Is that just me or is that anybody else? Okay, so a few of you. So, yeah, there's that, isn't there? So the song that was going through my mind when I woke up this morning, I'll see if I can get it right. I promise I won't extend it out because I'm, I'm not the best singer in the world yet. Hello, darkness, my old friend. You'll be back at 5 p.m. And say, ah, oh, yeah, it's the first day of nighttime savings, isn't it? So yesterday was daylight savings time, so that must mean that today is nighttime savings, right? Yeah, so we've all set our clocks back. Kind of reminds me of uh, something I used to say, and it wasn't too nice when I was in college as an undergrad. I, I'm from Indiana originally, and I went to Miami of Ohio as an undergrad. And, you know, in Indiana, we never changed our clocks, at least back in the day, and, and people would ask, so what's the time difference between Indiana and Ohio? And my standard answer was about three years. So <laughs> actually, it was only an hour. It felt like three years sometimes. Well, anyway, welcome to Daylight Savings Time, uh, nighttime, uh, Eastern Standard. Is that what we call it now? Eastern Standard. So I'm grateful for that, you know, because you know why I'm grateful? I woke up today. And I got to come and be with like Beverly and, and Amy and our wonderful staff, Lenny in the back and our volunteers and all of you. And whether or not I'm a big fan of Eastern Standard Time is irrelevant. I have so much to be grateful for. So much. Even in the midst of a pandemic, so much to be grateful for. Amen. And I'm grateful for our Unity Awakening 2021 series. We have a process here every year uh, of studying a material from with Sunday lessons and small groups. And this year we've been studying Trusting the Gold, Uncovering Your Natural Goodness by meditation leader and Buddhist teacher Tara Brock. She is a native, uh, a local, local girl, we like to say. It's a, those of you who are reading the material know she makes many references to places that those of us here in Northern Virginia are familiar with. And this is week six. It is our final week, and I want to give some shout-outs. There is a wonderful power of gratitude. I want to give a shout-out to Donna Lee, watching from Lewis, Delaware, who curated our small group study guide. It's been beautiful and amazing, and I just really appreciate all the energy that went into it. I want to thank Kathy Curvers, who's in our live stream booth, who actually made it pretty and neat and uh, put all the artwork and the graphics and everything together. It's fantastic, Kathy. Thank you for that. So we really appreciated that. I want to thank our small group facilitators who have been guiding these very rich and very deep conversations. It's just really wonderful that that level of service is continuing. And some of our small group leaders live in different states. Yay, that's part of the blessing of the pandemic experience, we've learned just really how easy it is to be connected with our entire community wherever we happen to be. Time and space don't really seem to matter much anymore. It seems very quantum to me, so I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful for everyone who has been in a small group, lending your experience, your wisdom, your questions, your seeking to the other members of the groups. It's just really been rewarding. And this is our final week of that. 
So I want to talk about just for a moment, a little bit of a rehash. So the book is divided into three sections. The first section is about truth, and we had a couple talks around truth. And the second section is about love, and we've had a couple talks about love. And the third section, we've had one talk, and now we're about to have the second one about freedom. And last week, I gave two tools. You know, we say in Unity, are, we are about tools, not rules. So two of the tools we talked about last week for claiming our spiritual freedom, number one, was rewire your thinking. You know, it's, I, I, I often make reference to the news. I'm kind of a newsy. And we live in the national capital area, the international capital area. So our local news is also the national news. Sometimes the international news. We get a lot of news, don't we? We have a bit of infobesity. It's a little bit of a problem around here. And sometimes it seems just overwhelming, doesn't it? You're just like, well, stop. You know, I want to go back to Gwendolyn's quote and be a cat and not have to uh, read a newspaper. I can sit on it. But anyway, um, so here's what, here's the strategy. When we hear something negative, especially if it's in the news, or it could be in our family, or it could be, well, not here, but someplace else, somebody else's church, consciously think of a positive to go with it. As Eric Butterworth says in one of his books, let something good be said. Don't let a conversation stop. It ain't it awful. Because we can certainly acknowledge facts, and facts sometimes aren't too pretty, and sometimes they're absolutely lovely. We get so caught up sometimes, I think, in the neg ain't it awfuls and the negativity that we lose sight of the fact that the vast majority of everything in our world is actually going just fine and pretty darn good. It's so easy to get sucked into that vortex. So our part of our homework last week, and it'll be part of the homework for this week, Consciously look for the good. Whenever you hear a negative, look for a good. And again, we're not trying to take away from facts of the day. They're there. But the good stuff is there too. And most everything's going pretty well. Those few things that aren't, well, they're pretty big. This kind of reminds me of Alexander Graham Bell, the world's biggest failure. Most everything he touched failed. Oh, but the things that worked. So consciously rewire our brains. Second thing I want to remind everybody of is what is referred to as the parable of the Chinese farmer. Now, last week, I mentioned this, and I, and I didn't check the source. This actually is a legitimate story that comes out of the Huanansi uh, book of writings compiled during the Han Dynasty, roughly 2,300 years ago. And if you're familiar with the parables, it goes something like this. I'm going to, uh, you know, break it down pretty fast. Man has a son, and, he, and, and they're farmers. They have one horse. One day they wake up, the horse is gone. Oh, the son goes, oh, it's awful. And then the father says, maybe yes, maybe no. The next day, the horse comes back with 20 other horses. And the son goes, hey, this is great. And the father goes, maybe yes, maybe no. Next day, the son's out trying to break one of the horses and get him ready to work. He falls and hurts his leg. And he goes, oh, father, this is awful. And the father says, maybe yes, maybe no. The next day, the army comes conscripting every able-bodied male soldier <laughs> to go to sold to the war. And the father goes, son, is it good or is it bad? So the son didn't have to go off to war. It's one of those things. So here's the situation. Sometimes we hear a fact or something happens in our lives, and we just assume it's the end of the world. 
You know, it's just like everything stops there. Is it bad? I don't know. Garth Brooks addressed this situation in his song, um, Some of God's Greatest Gifts Are Unanswered Prayers. This song goes back to his high school reunion with his wife, and he sees his ex-girlfriend. He just so wanted her to marry him, and she didn't. And then he realized, oh, my life is much better with my wife. Or, and I've talked to many people who have gone to recovery groups, and they have, many of them said, the best thing that ever happened in my life was hitting rock bottom because I got my life back. It's like, whoa, that's pretty brave. So our stories are continuing to evolve. So, it, so the, the guidance there and the wisdom there is hold on loosely and don't let go. 38 special song if you need to, the reference there. This isn't the end of the world. So stay open. Just stay open to what actually might happen. Maybe something really spectacular is about to happen and you couldn't see it coming. You know, it kind of reminds me too of that old quip we sometimes use. Be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Or as the Dalai Lama says, sometimes not getting what you want is an amazing stroke of good luck. So stay open. What can happen here? It's really the consciousness of an entrepreneur because entrepreneurial individuals are really willing to leverage any fact or any situation that comes along. Is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. What are you going to do with it? It's your choice. Which brings us to today. Do you want to be happy? Anybody want to be happy? You want to raise? Okay. Most of us, apparently not all of us, but most of us, all right. I think we have a majority. We'll take a vote. Actually, we'll take some votes at the um, annual meeting. So is it even possible to be happy? And like I said, we get this tsunami of information and facts. And then, and then if it's not the news, then we have families and family matters and huh, all of us have relationships. You know, I was thinking about this. Some of the greatest struggles that we have in our lives are with the people in our lives, right? Not even the news. And it reminds me of a line from the uh, Jean-Paul Sartre 1944 play, No Exit, in which one of the characters says simply, hell is other people. That's lovely, isn't it? But haven't you felt that way sometimes? Anybody been in a relationship or in, with folks? And you thought, whoa, this is, must be what hell is like. Well, recall, Sartre wrote that play uh, in France in, when it was under occupation. So I guess he wasn't too happy with the new neighbors anyway. <laughs> so I don't bring any of this up to try to imply that all we have to do is put on rose-colored glasses or meditate more, sing silly songs to address when we are not happy. In other words, the state of not being happy, we sometimes call depression. And I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you have ever experienced that one? Okay, I think we have near consensus again. And this is serious. I mean, it really is. Because depression is listed as the number one cause of suicide in this country. Every 12 minutes, somebody takes their own life. That's over 40,000 people a year. And the rates of the depression haven't really been helped by the pandemic experience. But here's the good news. Again, here's the fact. What are you going to do with it? The good news is that as a faith community, especially this particular faith community and new thought overall, we have a tremendous impact in addressing this and bringing to light a better outcome. Because we don't have any shame or any problem with addressing it. 
Let's just call it what it is. Sometimes we feel depressed or sad or anxious or all these things. And it's okay to say that. So we acknowledge it. Put it out there. And then we find ways to address it. There are wonderful clinical ways to address it, wonderful spiritual ways to address it. And we look at it as an issue of health care because mental health is health. It's a part of it, just like our physicality and our spirituality. And then we encourage and promote the usage of spiritual tools to address it. Not only spiritual tools, mind you. They're wonderful, like I said, treatments available. So we want to maximize those. But we want to give us all a head start and tools that we can do at home for, that do not require us to file insurance or even have insurance. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about what we teach here in Unity. We teach our foundational principle that the nature of God is altogether good. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have challenges in the world, but that means that what undergirds that is goodness. We teach that each and every one of us is an individualized manifestation of that goodness. So whether or not we're feeling it, whether or not we're acting it out, the truth is our inherent goodness. And when you start with that as a vantage point for addressing issues, it's kind of like starting on the high ground. So kind of like starting from a place of empowerment to say, oh, these are facts of the day, but they are not the truth of who I am. I am bigger than that. You know, I've often pointed out that unity and new thought had their, their foundation at the exact same time as the modern science of psychology in the last half of the 19th century. But where psychology pretty much sticks to the mind or the thoughts and the feelings, we go one step beyond to the identification of a spiritual underlayment that connects us with something far larger than ourselves. And so we use our spiritual practices of prayer and meditation affirmatively to remind ourselves of the truth of who we are, to empower us to keep going forward, to utilize all the tools at our disposal so that we might move forward with the understanding, as Paul wrote in 1 Colossians, Colossians 1, this is the great secret. Christ in you, your hope of glory. This is the great reminder that you are an individualized expression of the creative majesty that is God. That's a great place to start. And sometimes, like I said, we lose sight of it. That's fine. That's part of our human experience but it doesn't change the fact. And it's true of everybody else. That's a whole different talk for a different day. It's sometimes the everybody else makes it a little bit harder. Did I mention that hell is other people? I was quoting. That wasn't, that wasn't from me, per se. I was some French guy a long time ago. <laughs> so I want to come back to our material for this week from Tara Brock's book. She talks about an experience she had one day walking along. She, I think it was at Great Falls Park because she's talking about walking along uh, the Potomac nearby. And, and all the conditions that make for the perfect walk. You know, it's quiet. It's crisp. It's morning. Nobody's around. There's not any litter on the trail. She's not bothered. Her knees aren't creaking. Stuff like that. But then she realized one day that if all my conditions have to be met for me to be happy on my walk, then that's like saying, I'll only be happy when the moon is full. 
she's put conditions on her happiness. And she highlights in the material that in Buddhist teaching, there are two ways of experiencing happiness. One is when everything's going my way. Oh, what a wonderful feeling. You know, one of those. You know, everything is just right. And how many of us have ever said, and I know, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on this time, have ever said, I'll be happy when. Everything will be great if. You know, we put these conditions out there that may or may not happen, you know? And sometimes they do, yay. It's just like saying, I'll be happy when I finally win the Powerball. The odds are stacked against me on that one. Hopefully not on Wednesday, but we'll, we'll see what happens when Wednesday comes. It didn't happen last night, so I'm thinking maybe Wednesday's the day. <laughs> but then there's another way of being happy that she talks about in the text, and it's called happy for no reason. Just being happy. The kids in Miss Wolf's class in Sunday school seem to have no problem with being happy for no reason because they weren't looking for it out here. They realized that by being focused in the present moment, they could experience it right now. Well, we can be like those kids. We can bring our attention back to the present moment. We can feel that grace of simply being happy for no reason, being happy even if we're walking and our knees are creaking and we need to pick up a piece of litter and there might be some other people along our way. We don't have to give all these things the power to take away our joy. We can. We often do. I do. Maybe I'm just shamelessly projecting onto everybody else. But I don't have to. I could just choose to be happy just for no reason. This is what she says in the text. It's just a short paragraph, as are all the paragraphs in this book. While my daily walks continue to lean towards very pleasant... I have found happy for no reason extending to other parts of my experience. The pain when I'm feeling disconnected from others, the anxiety when I'm worried about failing at something, the fear and grief for those who are struggling, my sorrow for our earth. When these experiences are held in unconditional and tender presence, a basic sense of well-being continues having space in our hearts for whatever happens, for the moon in all of its phases, opens us up to the freedom of happy for no reason. What she's talking about there, plain and simple, and what is implicit in that, is that when we hold everything in unconditional and tender presence, that's another way of saying I'm acknowledging the facts that I perceive I'm giving myself compassion for whatever it is I'm feeling in that moment and choosing to be mindful of, as we would say in unity, in our prayer for truth, wherever I am, God is. And even if there's a little trash on the ground and even if my knees are creaking, I can still be happy. Maybe be happy that I have knees real or new. Sometimes we get new ones. I can be happy I can pick up the trash and there's a trash can I can put it in. 
I can be happy that even on my walk, I, regardless of what's going, what is right here on the ground, I can still look around and see this amazing color that's like a slow-motion fireworks show just for me. I'm breathing. I have hope. And today is a new day. So you have two versions of homework for today. I've already mentioned part of it to continue last week's. Now you can do what the same assignment that Miss Wolf gave to the children this morning in Sunday school to find the happiness inside and let it shine out into the world. Or we might rephrase that in adult language to this, as she writes in the text. Bring to mind a time recently when you've felt happy. Was it only because life was going your way? Or did you just feel that way? Did you just take a breath and realize, how am I feeling? What am I feeling? You know, because what happens many times, we get so busy, we don't even stop to think what we're feeling. Or we don't even stop to feel what we're feeling. So just take a breath. When have you last felt happy? And as you move through your day, pay attention to those moments when a feeling of well-being arises without reason, regardless of the circumstances, because it does happen. More than you realize, we just have to train our minds to look for it. And then sense how the quality of your awareness of it, your presence, gives rise to that well-being. It may seem crazy with all that's going on in the world today, but I guarantee you that when we slow down, when we breathe, and when we connect with the living spirit of truth within us, we will find that more often than not, we can feel happy for no reason and then affirm that as a grace to the world. May this be your unity awakening. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.